Welcome to the board game community show. I'm your host, Riley Starr. Join me as I get to know folks in this community. They could be designers or streamers, podcasters, YouTubers, publishers, whatever. Really anything with the nerd at the end of its title is welcome here on the board. Community show, show, show. Welcome to the Board Game Community Show. Today I am rejoined by a past guest, the host of Tabletop Express, Chris Barrows. Hey, thanks for having me back. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you back. I talked about having more topic-related episodes so that I can have repeat guests, an excuse to have people back. And so here we are. We're going to do a topic. What have you... I, oh, go I ahead. love it. Thanks. I just say I love it. I, I, the topic-based <laughs> stuff is always fun. So yeah, no complaint for me on that department. Yeah. It's like having a co-host for an episode at this point. You're a co-host today. I'll take it. I'll take, I can handle that. But before we get into what we're going to be discussing today, what have you been up to? Oh, it's been busy. We, um, you know, with a new year, uh, I brought on someone who's been on the channel quite a bit um, on the Tabletop Express to essentially take the role of a co-conductor or our fun way of saying co-owner of a channel. And so that's been nice. Uh, we got a lot of good stuff in the works, uh, including um, doing some live teaches, which are designed to be engaging so people can come and chat and talk, you know, and, and ask the questions about the game itself designed for an interactive level. And the thing I'm excited about, which you'll appreciate is creator's corner. Uh, now for every episode of creator's corner, but I do about a week later, it's going to go into podcast format. I'm still waiting for it to go to Apple as the time we're recording this, uh, Apple, it's still not on yet, but I believe it's going to Google and all the other places at this point. So we're just waiting on Apple at this point for, uh, official launch but everywhere else it's it's good so spotify um if you just search tabletop express it pops up but every creator's corner episode will live there now which is fun makes it accessible on the go yeah i'm really really excited because i like watching you know youtube videos and i like watching twitch streams and all of that stuff but videos is what i have the least amount of time with because i'm i'm usually driving or on the go here at home. And, and so popping something in my earbuds is the easiest way to do it, which even when I watch, like I watch tabletop express while I'm doing chores at home and I pop my headphones in and I'm, it's like 90%. I'm not looking at the screen until you reference something. And I'm like, Oh, gotta look. Oh, cool. Got it. You know, yeah. no, that's fair. <laughs> I think that was a big reason why I made that change. Cause I, I talked about doing it. So the problem is the backlogging. So I have to download the videos back off YouTube for older episodes. So I'll drop those in, but. Oh, that's really exciting. Yeah. Old episodes will join. Um, I just, I going forward, any new episode is an easy thing. So those are guaranteed. The other ones, it's just time consumption. So that makes sense. I'm really excited. I thought you were just going to start doing it now, but there's several videos that I haven't seen because Time-wise, I just didn't haven't had time. But listening, easy. Yes. There you go. 
so now you'll be covered. You'll be you'll be well taken care of. Yeah, I'll be a tabletop express expert, which is tricky to say. <laughs> Try to say it ten times fast. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm excited for. I've been like every day, multiple times a day. I've gotten on and typed in Tabletop Express, just waiting so that I can hit that follow button and and start listening. So, um, so you're like Apple. me and in, in waiting for the cop my copy of Three Sisters that FedEx is now four days behind on. That's oh. what I do. I just go on every day and I check. I yeah, check, and then I check. It's, just, it's gotten bad. <laughs> That's all I, I can know. say. I know how that goes. Is and it's just like in limbo because it, it'll be either at a facility or it says it leaves the facility. And then you're like, well, where is it? It's been yeah, out of the facility for four days. That's what I'm dealing with right now. It's been 45 minutes away for two days or in transit. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm trying to figure that one out. I, I gave up on looking, to be quite honest, because there was no point. So yeah. moving forward, I, I just try to say, well, one day it's going to drop up my door and I'll be excited. <laughs> the... It's a bittersweet feeling when you know it's supposed to be here or be here soon. And then you see pictures on Twitter and they're like, oh, I got it. And some people are even busting it out and already playing it. And you're just like, oh, it's so close. Come, come to me. Yeah. Well, you know, it's 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 exciting, though, the fact that it is arriving. And, and again, there are a lot of great games out there that. I, you know, I just don't get a chance to play. So when a game is arriving and I'm excited about, it, I think that's the feeling. But I know I'm excited about today too because it's really talking about the fact that there are a lot of great games out there. Which sadly, a lot of people, and this is the reality of the world. You know, we we all don't know everything, but many people don't even realize this world exists, and it it is as fun as we know it is. Well, well, well. Look at that segue. Did you do that on purpose? Maybe. <laughs> That might have been intentional. (laughs) You're like, let's move this along. All right. Let's get to the topic here. So our topic today is, I mean, it'll be the episode name, so it's not a surprise to people, (laughs) is introducing people to board games, which is such a, it can be a scary thing or a weird thing. I get really excited. I had some new friends over. uh, I've been doing improv classes and I met this guy that I just get along with really well in the class. And we got talking, we, we hung out once at his place and then I invited him over and he found out I do this podcast about board games. So he was, he asked me like, we want you to introduce us to some board games. And so I got really excited, like, oh, what do I start with? What do I start with? Uh, and all I had was that they, one of them, his girlfriend had played Pandemic. So I kind of worked off of that, of what kind of feels we can go for. In the episode that we did together your previous episode we talked about introducing people to board games and how it's different per person you really shouldn't just have like a very generic yes everybody should play pandemic no it's true because one i i think that you have to think about what people are interested in also what are the mechanics of the game and what is and i don't want to say the want to say like what's the intellectual level of a person but like what is their age per se or their almost an intellectual age of sorts i even you could say but like a kid it's going to be different than an adult some adults are going to be into different things and you have to kind of keep that in mind and then thinking about not just age level how complicated of a game can you pick up and i argue you probably shouldn't do too complicated to begin with anyways but I always say 
when I get asked what's a good game to for to, to start with, because I want to get into board games, I say, well, what are you interested in? And I try to learn. So for example, if you're into birds, is Wingspan, I'm not suggesting it is, but is Wingspan a great game to introduce? I, I think arguably yes. I actually, on our video that I did on my channel about modern games and introducing modern games, I had said Wingspan for engine building is a, is a, is a nice game to introduce. It is pretty easy to learn. And I think about that. But the topic is what I'm thinking about because what do you like? Because theme, and I argue, yes, a game doesn't need to have the greatest theme in the world to be a good introductory game. But if there's theme, it can be the starting point to say, okay, I'm very interested in playing that. Because I think that's the first hump that we often have to get over is, I'm not sure. Like, I don't know. This could, uh, As an example, I love Splendor. I love Splendor. I think it's a very fun game. It's gone down in ranks, I know, for many people over time. But Splendor, on paper, if you were to try to explain a theme about it, it's like, it's not that interesting. So trying to get them wrapped around a theme that has good mechanics, to me, works really well. And that's why I think theme is important. I think I mentioned Fallout, um, Fallout Shelter as a worker placement game, which is a fantastic way to introduce worker placement to someone who likes Fallout. And that's because it's a pretty simple game to learn. It's worker placement. It's really one type of play mechanism. It's worker placement mostly. And it's Fallout. So I'm going to be able to get someone who likes Fallout into that game. It's pretty self-explanatory why. And I I did the same thing where my friend loves Fallout. And I just did the Fallout board game with all of the expansions so that it was co-op. And really, it felt just kind of like a better version of Fallout 76. That's not hard. I think no. we said that last time. Yeah. <laughs> better than Fallout 76. But it's true because when you think about... And in protect that game, that game, as it comes to mind, adding the co-op mode, I think is nice because I think when you get people who are more experienced gamers, some like co-op, some don't, but co-op, as long as you're not completely running the show, you know, you don't want to be, you have to remember that you have to take that step back. Um, some people are better at that than others, but to let people learn the game, but to be able to do it and win together is exciting. That's why something like, um, Provision desert or something like that, it plays really well as one of those introductory games. Yeah. Um, and Forbidden Desert has a good theme to it, in my opinion, as well. Because we are, are are essentially, we're trying to find all the parts uh, of our flying machine so we can escape. I mean, that's, just, and it, we're, we're crashed in a desert. Um, it's a pretty neat thing that you're building too. So theme, so when, it, when you're building this, everything up, it's, I think, kind of fun to see it come together. But that's the kind of experience that someone, especially... I'd say younger would really enjoy. I find adults like it too, but younger can enjoys putting the pieces together. So that's a little thing I always mention too, which is the idea of being able to touch the pieces, put them together. That's a great moment when you're dealing with kids. Anytime you get them doing that kind of stuff, generally speaking, it gets them more excited and into what they're doing. Yeah. Well, it's interesting with that because, you know, you have those kind of toy aspect you have a little bit of a toy aspect with forbidden desert and there's several those for all three of the the forbidden games i think have that to some extent that can kind of be like a tactile experience so if that's something that seems appealing to somebody that's a great introduction or if like these people that we had over this last week i knew that they were kind of intellectual and so i decided Let's start with Sagrada, which is new to me, 
And it's really a fun drafting game, a dice drafting game. Super easy to teach. Five minutes, done. And they got it. Like, I thought I was going to have to jump in and help with rules throughout the game, but I didn't. I, I was still watching them every move, but they never, ever messed up a turn. And they just, yeah, they instantly got it. They absolutely loved it. They were like, I think we're going to buy this. This Is this fun at two players? Yeah, this is great. Like, that's how we play it. We play it all the time. Two players. We just sit in bed and we play it in our bed. And, and they're like, oh, that's awesome. Okay, yeah, we might get this then. Yeah, I, I, I think, too, the thing that I think about, I think when I rewind my thought process on this, I start with the factor of what are you going to be interested in, topically, theme, whatever it might be, but also what is the game that is straightforward enough? And by that, I, I there may be multiple ways to score, but really, is it there's two or three clear steps that you take, and that's your turn. Two or three clear steps that you take, that's your turn. Turn and and that that on repeat, when you're first learning, that helps a lot. Oh, yeah. um, even even something um, whether it be Santorini, Onatama, something like that, you can play a very straightforward game because the actions are simple. It does not mean there's not strategy in there. It does not mean there's actually not a deep strategy because some of these games there's a very deep strategy. I'd argue uh, Onatama as an example, fantastic game that does that that just like feel. But that said, it's really simple. You're you're taking an action based on a card, and then you're putting that card in the middle. The other player is going to go, and then they're going to take the card that you used. So uh, it's a very clear action that you're taking. Um, people will get the idea of the movement, but you don't have a lot of... <laughs> there's not a lot of learning there. I, and, and I think that makes it easy. Also not combining like 20 million mechanics into the game um a game that has okay let's let, let's just kind of play something that's a well this is worker placement but you're also set collecting oh but you're also doing this and you're also and that's just overwhelming and one they don't know what those terms are to begin with what the hell does it i mean worker placement sounds obvious and i realize that but you have to realize sometimes these phrases we use and we use them so casually they mean nothing to so many people. And we got to be mindful of that. Yeah. When I showed them Sagrada, I about halfway through the game, I said, just so you know, this is an example of a drafting game. So if I, if ever there's something that's called a draft, this is how it works. Essentially, you know, there might be little tweaks, but, and I just dropped that and then moved on to the next thing and, and didn't focus on like, well, here's other games that are like that. You know, I, I just wanted to like drop that little piece of information, plant that little seed so that maybe that'll, you know, grow later. It's it's a good method. And I think the other thing that's important about that is you're not trying to I think when you introduce people to games, it, it, it maybe this sounds silly, but you shouldn't be trying to sell gaming, right? Because yes, you naturally want people to like games, but it's a very natural thing for me, I think, when I became interested in games and fell in love with games you can't push it. It's, it, it, it's gotta just be something that happens in my view. So you're, you're creating great experience for them and hopefully they come back and they want to play. I mean, we introduced the other night, uh, uh, Ryan and I, um, and Ryan again is the, the person I do the channel with introduced Marvel champions to someone and we introduced Marvel champions and now they want to play again. And Have now they, they want to play again. How much so, of a gamer were they before? A little bit. We're talking, though, more like a munchkins. 
So we're oh, not okay. talking like a major. It's not like they were t- playing like brass Birmingham or something here, you know. But we're talking about someone who's has an interesting game. But this in particular person, speaking to interest, really likes Jack Kirby. So they like Jack Kirby. So they're gonna love the art. They're gonna love the characters. It's a natural connection. And uh, so you make that obvious connection. And then the game, you know, was played. Uh, we lost. Uh, I actually first time ever playing Marvel Champions where I was eliminated. It had never happened before, um, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, we I get, we got one turn away from from winning the game. But for a first play, they want to come back and play more. I think they want to play the, as we're recording. They told me they want to play tonight, um, which I don't necessarily think I can even do. But that, that's great that they want to jump back in and play a game. And, and to me, again, part of it is that theme in this case. It won't always be just the theme, you know, but um, that's a piece of a puzzle for a reason, because I've seen it happen. You know, it's and there was there when you feel the enthusiasm in playing a game with someone, you know, you know that, that they are hooked on a game or or hooked on just kind of the, the general hobby. At some point, you can kind of tell. Yeah, that makes sense. I want to go back a little bit because we're jumping into like when you what games you would be introduce them to and kind of how you approach that. But even before that, you know, you might have this friend that you hang out with. How do you broach that subject of, hey, do you want to play a board game? Uh, you know, I on board game hot takes, Tim has kind of talked about this kind of before of like, you know, oh, it's fun to hang out and just talk and stuff, but it, it gets boring after a while. And, and we could be talking and playing a board game at the same time. And, and that just makes sense to me. And so he's, he's very, uh, I don't think he would be pushy about pushing the idea of playing games, but I don't, have you, have you had that where you've had like kind of longtime friends or even new friends? And when do you bring up board games? I think board game night is a very legitimate thing. I think it's not just something that, you know, many years ago, you might say you would have done with Cards Against Humanity. Um, and that was that was an introduction for people. I, I, I think it's easy to dismiss because many people don't like the game or say it's not even really a game. Well, when I hate to tell people it is a game uh, it, because there you are sitting with friends, having a good time. And whether you like the game or approve of the game or agree with what the game has in it, <laughs> that's that's fine. But that was an experience. And to me, gaming is an experience. So board game night, very legitimate. Say, hey, we're going to have a board game night. Who wants to come over? You have an invitation. It's the focal point by them coming to visit, by them coming over. You introduce them. You you stick with uh, you know something that they think of some games that they're going to enjoy. It can be party games. I think now, actually, um, so, clo- uh, so Clover or, or something like that might be a great way to get people going. Um, Dixit, some things like that, because there's certain things happening in these games that get their attention. But other times I've had people over and we've done, say, Carcassonne. Um, that that was one. Sheriff of Nottingham. Uh, they, these are just some names that come to mind. And there's enough mix in some of these games that I think you can then say, oh, that was a lot of fun. Oh, and, and then you can make this connection of, well, if you're ever interested, like, you know, we definitely want to do this again. We can try this game. I think you'd really like it and kind of go off the experience. And that's to me how you do it. It's a very natural thing. You don't assume you can figure out who from a group might like it. Uh, you're, you're introducing something. That's in the end what it is. You're introducing 
games and or that people may not even be aware of. And when you do that, not everyone's going to be interested, but there might be one or two people. And maybe you invite those folks back. You know what I mean? Like you don't necessarily, you do want to, if you're making for me game night, you do want it to be about the games. So I'm not going to necessarily invite someone back. Cause like, Oh, I don't really, didn't really have a good time with this. And that's fine. I don't take offense to it. You know, I try not to. Um, but uh, I think that you're just mindful about that. Uh, and there's always going to be people who are not interested, but I think having a game night's great. I, I don't think you come into a conversation I say, hey, do you like do you do you like games? I I heard you mention like one word that's in a game I know, and you would like this game. Like, oh, no, it you like you, you don't want to be that person who's ringing the doorbell trying to sell me solar panels for my roof. Okay, I don't want that, and I don't want to be that person. Um, I think there's natural opportunities. Yeah. I also try to so you know drive it through like STEM based and learning. So trying to do it from an educational perspective. And so for me, it starts very much with kids and parents with kids trying to teach them some ways that maybe they can do something different with their kids to get them off their phones or off the devices. So there's a great opportunity, I think from parents and to get, and parents can easily get hooked. That's how a bunch of parents I know end up getting hooked to. I introduced to board games because I just gave them some games that are better than in my opinion, Again, very clearly, in my opinion, then sorry or or don't break the ice. And I said, well, how would you like to, you know, play a game where it's kind of like Jen- it's kind of like Jenga and it's kind of like Uno, but there's penguins. And and I showed them you're a you're a penguin. Like, this is so much fun. Can we play this again sometime? The kids loved it. Everyone loved it. The parents were like there's more things like this out there. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you don't need to play. Don't break the ice necessarily. You can introduce some other things like that. Um, and that's when I think I sent them over to Haba's website and basically said, Hey, check Haba out. You're going to find a bunch of games on Haba that you can play with your kids that you're going to enjoy a lot more, uh, because, and I, it's easy to jump to parental stuff. I think for me, just as a dad, but, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it is an experience. Our kids want to play games. Uh, and I want to, uh, help parents have a good time with that. And that can lead to the parents being into bigger games. So, it, it starts like a domino effect, I've learned. Well, and as the kids develop, like my in-laws got their kid uh, my first Castle Panic. Well, that's a natural, there's a natural progression from that to regular Castle Panic, you know, like, and then that, I don't think that one's that much com- more complicated then yeah i actually debate with my castle panic and castle panic what the big age range difference is there. yeah <laughs> it's it's it, it's that and like my first carcass on and there's a bunch of other ones that i'm like oh, i'm not oh, yeah. sure we even need this like I, d- I don't know but we do but the fact that they're there actually grabs parents attention uh i was talking about uh the more recently uh the the Willy Wonka game with the chocolate bars. That oh, that's now right, yeah. My, yeah, it's slipping my mind at this moment, so I apologize. Golden I, ticket I know this, or... Yeah, it's it's fantastic, yeah. is all I can say. Um, and what's neat about it is, like, it is a complete luck-based game, but the theme is oozing. Oozing, because you're going around taking actions and trying to get candy bars, uh, and then in the end, you win if you get the chocolate bars, so it's, like, complete luck. But he introduced that to someone. I, I try to pair it up now and say, all right, let's do a movie night and a game. 
And so now these are the other, these are like these, I don't, they're not advanced methods by any means, but it's, it's trying to pair things up and make things thematic, putting them together. If you're to go watch back to the future and then play one of the back to the future games that's out there, the one by Funko uh, in particular, exceptional, uh, the dice game that I heard came out for that. Not so great, but I think the pairing factor is another interesting thing. And you can do that with friends, with family, and it's a neat way because you can say, no, we're, we want to do something different, especially as we're getting back. Hopefully, hopefully, I, I feel like I said this last time, but hopefully getting back to this time where we can spend more time together in person with our family and friends. And if we're truly getting there, these are some fun activities we can do together. Um, I like to say as an adult, we get you know cooler, but the, the reality is, uh, you know, at 45 years old or 35 years old, people are not necessarily going to the club, you know? <laughs> so there, there may be some exceptions that are rule, but there's other stuff we can do and we can have a lot of good time with it. So I, I think that that's one thing we can do, create these thematic nights. Yeah. And that's, that's a way I've gotten board games to the table with people too. So this seems so silly to me because in my head and in my experience, I've never, well, this one, we just invited them over. Originally it was like, uh, I invite you over to eat some smoked mac and cheese. Like I'm really proud of this smoked mac and cheese recipe I have and it's delicious. And my wife made some homemade pumpkin cheesecake. It was delicious. And, and the original plan was just like, Oh, have them over. And then while they're over, be like, Oh, Hey, do you guys want to play a board game? And I don't know why I felt like I had to be sneaky about it when, and and then he asked me like, Oh, Hey, since we're coming over, why don't we play a board game? I know you love them. And I was just like, as you said that, it dawned on me. I could just say that and just be very straightforward and text somebody and say, hey, do you want to do a game night? Yeah, I, I think that's important what? because, again, I, I always talk about it. It's not like I'm trying to sell anyone. Yes, I want people to play games. I have people who play games. But um, I don't have to push to find someone who wants to play games. But I do want to introduce them. So every once in a while, I would, what I was doing before the pandemic was saying, Hey, I'm going to have a game night. Who wants to come over? Let me know. And then people chose to come over. They knew I wasn't going to put a monopoly on the table. They knew, they knew I was putting something different, um, at least by their mindset. And it seems very basic, I think. And this is what people have to get over. Um, what you're putting on the table may not be the most exciting game to you, but what you need to think about is a game you maybe you enjoy saying so it's not one you love, but one you like, but that game that you like on the table that you think is going to be really interesting to those that you're inviting over and think about it. If you're hosting someone and they're vegan, you're going to make vegan food for them. This is the same kind of concept. You're hosting someone who's really into um, a certain type of uh, topic. Again, we've mentioned bird watching, but say they're very into Lord of the Rings. Well, there's a bunch of, Lord of the Rings games actually in the past that come out that are not heavy. So potentially there's an option there. Maybe they really like, um, uh, maybe they really enjoy travel. So introduce them to a game based on a city, you know, or, or I mean, Santa Monica or uh, not Grand Austria hotel. Cause that's heavy, but you know, you could something do like trekking fairly, the world or yeah. Trekking the world. That's a great example, um, which I have not yet to play actually. So I haven't either, uh, but it's on my list. <laughs> yeah. But the, the point is you, you don't, you know, you, you think about it. If you're inviting someone over for, for dinner, you're going to make food that, you know, that they'll potentially like you're, you're going to do the same thing with the board game you present on the table. And, um, you're not trying to buy them, right? You know, you just you just want to create a great experience. And you create a great experience, then 
they might say, hey, that was fun. Let's do that again. And that's how I, I kind of like to do it. Uh, also, being mindful and listening to what maybe they didn't like. So if I do it again, we try something a little bit different. Because um, often I find people will come back out of courtesy, um, even if maybe <laughs> they kind of liked it. But it was like it wasn't necessarily for them. But they're like, oh, this one sounds really interesting that you just talked about. Um, so you can casually, I think, bring up those games that like, oh, you know, there's another game you might like, actually, that's like this. But getting them get back right into it. But again, it's not selling in my view, because if you sit there trying to sell, let's play games, let's play games. Who wants that? You know, that, again, I compared it to that. those solar. The people come trying to sell me solar all the time, just only because they don't stop, you know, and at a certain point you have to realize it's not for everyone and that's fine. That's more of an okay, actually. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to have that diversity. And well, I think it's interesting because, you know, you talked about how you wouldn't maybe wouldn't necessarily invite somebody who didn't have the fun the first time, but you could totally gauge like maybe this type of game just wasn't for them. Okay. I tried to do Sagrada. Maybe they don't like, you know, very light themed games, but maybe I should try a more fantasy theme and Lord of the Rings game or, you know, a Firefly, whatever it is, you know, like maybe I just need to find the right theme that pulls them in. But then there's, of course, people who are just not going to like games. There, there's, there's, there is like with everything, some people who pre judge before and just, they're just there to chat and hang out and you don't, it's, it's, you can't control every circumstance. Um, it's just like, even in a game group, there's there, there may be the, the guy who wants to go outside and smoke a cigarette halfway through the game. And you're just like, no dude, we're in the middle of a gate. What are you doing? <laughs> like, like what do you, and I know that would annoy me. Right. So you, you have to go in expecting that you may not have their full attention. I, I, I would almost argue because they're there casual conversing, et cetera, which is why I say you still need to go with something that is on that lighter side, which I know some people are saying, Oh no, I don't like light games, but sorry. Like sometimes you just got to do that. Um, I myself enjoy a light to medium weight game. Um, I think they're a blast personally. I would actually rather play three 30 to 45 minute games in a night than one really long one. And that's just how I am. But um, I could tell you the first time someone comes over, they don't want to play an hour and a half game. In most cases, there's exceptions to that rule. There are exceptions, um, but most people don't want to do that. Well, it's generally not a great intro. Some games suck you in. Like Wingspan, I used to teach. Uh, I did a five-player game, which was like two and a half hours of playing. And that, I mean, it, but it's not that heavy of a game. And people get the hang of it pretty quick and... And it doesn't feel like it drags necessarily as much. There's a couple parts where it drags a little, but I think it picks back up. I think that's part of it is the feel, though. How long does it feel? I mean, we yeah. Yet I I go to I'm, I'm for those who didn't listen to previous episodes or who have no clue who I am, they wouldn't know. But I'm a trustee at my library, so I became a trustee because I was involved with the library in the first place, and that was because I co-founded the board game club. And I have a very vivid memory of us teaching Splendor. We thought this is great, great intro game. And I'm not saying it's not, but I can tell you some people just looked at like, so what are we doing exactly? And, oh, I take some things and I'm trying to click. And it was, for some, it was bland. Now, some people loved it. So it just, it goes to show you that 
again, you're going to get different reactions and you've got to be prepared for that. And some things don't go over as well as you think. When you talk about a game like Wingspan, uh, which some people love and some people think is overrated, and I I love reading comments about Wingspan because it cracks me up. But when you think about Wingspan, there could be some downtime. So when I actually am teaching games, I try to come up with either a game that doesn't have a ton of downtime or a simultaneous actions or things like that because I try to limit the downtime the first time uh, because some people I don't think appreciate it as early on. I appreciate downtime later on when I'm trying to strategize between turns. Um, but that came later, like early on, I admit I did play decent amount of these very quick, not a lot of time between games. And there was a reason for it. Um, and I don't think it was attention span, but uh, it comes down to the fact that you do only have so much time and you want to, you don't want to be sitting around just staring at other people do things. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's where the wingspan drag happens is, you know, sometimes you get that a little bit of a analysis paralysis. And so somebody can take a while and then somebody else takes a while and it just builds up and it can, it, it can definitely slow down the night, but there's also an evolution in teaching where, you know, you first, I showed these people Sagrada, And then after that, they had, one of them had played pandemic and we have pandemic hot zone. And I was like, well, you know, this is a really quick way to play Pandemic Hot Zone. And I love, I actually think it might be a better experience than the regular Pandemic because it's so quick. You lose in, you win or lose in 15, 20 minutes and then you're done. And then, so we showed it to them and they immediately were like, well, we lost, but let's, let's try it again. Let's try it again. And so we just reset it, played it again. And it was a really, really good time. And, and they were like, okay, well now next time let's try the, the the full game so we'll try the full game next time ticket to ride new york feels that way too or yeah. ticket to ride london it's a nice way to introduce the concept of ticket to ride and i think that hits on a certain thing too that i always kind of go to is if i can have a game that focuses on a mechanic so for example you know the idea of you know i'm trying to think of the best one here that comes to mind but say if I want to teach uh, a game that has a mechanic like worker placement, we mentioned fallout. Um, the one that people always seem to mention is Lords of Waterdeep. It's the classic game, but like there's one mechanic in it. Now I don't necessarily always agree with Lords of Waterdeep because if you don't like fantasy, you're going to be immediately turned off. So I don't think you can sit here speaking what you said at the beginning and say Lords of Waterdeep is the definitive worker placement introduction. Game. No, there's no such thing as that. I think that's the mistake. We You can't say that. But does it do a great job on one mechanic? What games do that? And think about that because then it can start down. Oh, this was a lot of fun. And, and I can sometimes ask the question afterwards. And this is where the follow-up does happen. If I see the interest is there, I think that's the key thing. You like this. We definitely, you know, we'll definitely do some more. Um, I can, did you really like, what did you like about, what did you like about it? And ask the question. Uh, it again. This is where now it starts to sound sales pitchy, maybe. But I, I do <laughs> pose the question out because I, I legitimately want to introduce them to something else and say, "I'd love to show you something else sometime next time you come over. We'll do something different. What do you like about this?" So I'll try to match up with that. And if they say, "Oh, I really like the," uh, say we're talking about wingspan, as you just were. Say so was like, "I really like the idea of trying to come up with a way to get the most points." And now you can say, "All right." 
you like and you like the engine building. Okay, what can we do? Or I I might say at that point, you you maybe you like the tableau factor. So let's go to Santa Monica, because um, there's a tableau event happening there. We're interconnecting pieces to score the most potential points. So you could take off what they enjoyed and then you know bring it back. And you know that's fairly easy to do. It's just asking the question, really. Yeah, that, that's all you're doing. Different. Yeah. And I always try to say, like, really, honestly, if you don't enjoy it, that's okay. Thanks for playing. Thanks for being willing to try it. Like, if we can try another game if you want, and if not, no big deal. Like, we're happy to hang out with you still. This isn't going to end our friendship. You know, I didn't design this game. And even if I did, I wouldn't take it personally. Everybody's got different tastes. (laughs) Yeah. And again, I think as long as you're not trying to, I keep saying sell the game, but as long as you're not trying to, like, yeah. Well, this is the, you need to be in this in, so interested in this business and this hobby and board games with me. I, as long as you just legitimately are trying to create a great experience, you're going to ultimately in the long run find one, two, three or four people uh, over a span of time who are interested in doing more. Uh, and, and again, it's just understanding what the level of that interest is. Um, <laughs> I, I laugh. It, it's almost like um, if I, I introduced when I introduced my friends to, Carcassonne, they had a good time with it, but I knew my buddy loved the idea of like, you know, maybe getting really cool, extravagant things, right? So um, the idea of a, a game that more recently I got a PAX Unplugged, where, and I even had a conversation with the designer more recently, uh, which was buy the vote, and the idea that you were buying, trying to spend money to win the election, and the idea that, you know, he, you could go all out to try and win these places, get swing states and all stuff. Oh, that sounds like fun. Like the auction style game, I immediately knew the way that he was, that he would love that. And now anytime there's a good auction style game, uh, definitely goes for it. He loves to, he digs Sheriff of Nottingham because he loves the idea that he can potentially check your envelope and, uh, you know, bust you when you're lying. Uh, so, you know, I got that sense just because I know the people. And that's the, I think the best way you can do it is just have a good time and you're going to figure out, all right, this is what makes this person tick. Uh, you know, you get a Back to the Future fan. I was mentioning Back to the Future like a theme night earlier. You get a Back to the Future fan. They're going to love the Back to the Future game because they're literally in the movie and they're yeah. going to experience that and say, this is great. Um, and that's what's cool to me is just trying to be mindful of who the people are and what they clearly like and respect that. And that's important. So what do you think introduction wise? uh, I like showing off my game collection. So we brought them upstairs after Sagrada and showed them and, and I let them kind of just like listened to what they were drawn to. Isle of Cats that was one that they were like, what is this? What is this? And like, we pulled it out and looked and they're like, this looks amazing. And I thought, yeah, this would be a good next game. Uh, But for the very first one, first game, I think, do you, how do you feel about letting them choose or like trying to choose something for them for the very first introduction? I I think when I first introduced, I try to pick something based on them. But then I, I will, I will, there's an exception to that, which is the folks who've been in my house and know, um, and you could see, you've seen some of my collection in the background behind me, it's moved around a little bit, but I've got such a wide variety, but sometimes it is, yeah, if you're interested in playing whatever, or sometimes if we play one game and if you're interested in playing whatever, like, feel free to take a look and I can tell you, you know, that we have another hour of battle work. And 
I do see what they gravitate to. Because uh, sometimes it's like, what is this? It's kind of like you were talking about. Uh, and this looks really interesting. And then other times it's, I've heard of Ticket to Ride. Can we try that? So often I see them going to what has become, and I think it's important to acknowledge, the Ticket to Rides, the Wingspan, which you've already mentioned. I'd argue that's mainstream now. Um, it's it, If you've, you're being sold in a Target, I'm sorry. It's a mainstream game. It's just reality of it. And there's um, literally nothing wrong with being a mainstream game. Nothing. And I, I, I be very clear. I see nothing wrong. It's okay to be mainstream. Uh, but the interesting thing is they'll say, I've seen this. I'd love to try this. Even if they don't want to play that. It's like, next time, can we try this? I'd love to actually see this. Cause I, I've always heard of a ticket to ride, which I hear all the time. And I will play ticket to ride, but I will try to then want to say, Hey, would you, heard about ticket to ride let's play it and then if you like it we can try ticket to ride europe i think you'd actually like that even more if you like ticket to ride uh you know so i can certainly up the game ticket to ride europe's my favorite ticket to ride um for what it's worth but i i think yeah you give them that chance and let them look and understand like this is a i get a look i think when people come into my basement in particular and say Wow, this is a lot of games because first <laughs> you have to understand they come into my house and our bookshelf on the left-hand side, when you walk in our house is all games. It used to be a bookshelf with books on it. Now it's just games. Like, wow, you got a lot of games. And I just chuckle. Um, I say, yeah, that's some of them, They're like some. And that's very often actually, to be honest, how I've gotten board games to tables. Like when you mean some um, people who don't know me and, and, and I'll say, well, I'll show you. Um, so I'll give you the tour and I'll give them the tour of the house. I show them the basement. Say, oh wow, you got a lot of games. I'm like, yeah, you, you ever want to play a game anytime? You are welcome, and you're welcome to borrow from my collection. And I think that's the other thing that I mentioned. If you've got a game and you love it, don't be afraid to let someone try it out and say, Hey, you had a good time, great. If you want, you could take this one back and you know play it again with you know at your house. Um, obviously, I wouldn't just do that with anybody, with a certain any stranger, but with friends, yeah, I'll do that. And I will lend it because when they then played on their own, say that was a lot of fun. I really liked it. I ended up buying it on Amazon or I went to the store and bought this. Then I say, all right, now, now you're expressing a legitimate interest in this. And now I feel really comfortable saying, Hey, do you want to try something else sometime? I'll, you know, we'd happy to have you come over anytime. And, and they'll usually in that scenario say yes. So, um, that that's kind of the other method is be willing to lend the game out after the fact and give them a chance to play it again. If it's an appropriate one, because they've played it before at that point, they can probably play it again on their own for the most part. That's an interesting thing. Uh, Cause if you lend them a new game that they're interested in and they haven't played, I think it could be really cool for them to experience learning a game on their own, but you have to be really careful there because some rule books are so bad or so confusing or intimidating that you don't want to give them an overly like complicated rule book. Oh, I, I agree with that. I would say more often than not, it's lending them the game that they just played to say, I really liked it. Like, you know, if you like, you're happy to borrow any time. Um, and then once I think you, once they've done it, played a few games with you at, at a certain point, then I feel more comfortable with saying, oh, okay, that here's a game sense. you can take whatever. I also, for the most part, will say, here's a link to YouTube. Just watch this. You'll learn how to play. My buddy, the other day, we bought his, we had got his son, the Minecraft game. I forget the name of it. But oh, yeah. it was, it was builders on the and, yeah, Builders and Biomes. I biomes. Yeah, there you go. Biomes. Um, and I not know how to, I didn't know how to play it. I just bought a kid like Minecraft, and I thought it'd be a really good one. Decent brain burner. It was. It, it definitely required some thought. 
And I sent them the video and said, here, for when you want to go play with them, here's the video to watch. Don't worry about the instruction manual. Because not everyone is me who wants to read the instruction manual front to cover like five times because it's fun. That is not everyone. Um, Most people I find, and that's often a deterrent, is to give them like, if you really want to learn this, here's a quick video. Um, And if you're inviting someone over and say, if you want to learn how to play before, I'm going to teach. But if you want to watch this, feel free to, you know, it just to to make the process easier for you. Um, Some people watch, some people won't. Um, I will call out first to tell you, I am the type of person who does not like when I'm trying to do a teach and someone's sitting there looking at their phone. I'd be like, come on. Like we're it, it, if I invite you game night, like it is a game night. I'm not going to be mean, but you know, I, I actually was really proud of my wife yesterday because we were playing something, and it had been a while since we played with our family, and so me and my brother-in-law were teaching it, and my somebody started joking, and my wife just jumped in and said, "They're trying to teach the game like very firmly and like put a stop to that so that we could continue to like teach the game in a flow and not have like a break in the thought of it and oh, that's awesome. I really appreciated that my wife did that <laughs> it is important, but again i I think it comes back to create a great experience, don't go in it with this idea that you are going to be the originator of their passion for something that you happen to really love. Uh, if you have that, you're starting it all for the wrong reason. Like you play a game because it's fun, right? That's what it comes back to. If I'm playing a game just to get someone else into it, to hope that they'll be into it, to hope that we can have fun later, I've missed the point. <laughs> I just, I've completely missed the point of that. Uh, so I, I think if you're going and say, you know, I, you're in, you want to play a game because you like games and whoever wants to come over. Great. Uh, if someone asks to learn a game, that's where I guess it differs a little because if they ask, hey, I saw this game. Do you have it? I'd love to learn it. That's a real teach. Um, and that's where it's easy to send a video and say, all right, come on over. We'll do it. I'll teach you the game. You let me know what you think. Um, and then you can easily follow up. Uh, and that will happen from time to time. But um, I think it all depends how you're teaching and when you're teaching. Let's be fair. If I'm running an event, as I mentioned, at the library, and someone comes well, I'm viewing that as, okay, you came to learn. So I'm going to teach you as a student, almost, you know, that's how I'm going to treat you. You're a student. I'm the teacher. This is what I'm going to do. And I want two things to happen. I want you to listen. And I don't want someone else who knows how to play the game. And I'm very serious about this. I don't want someone else who's there who knows how to play the game to try and then teach with me because I'm the teacher in that moment. And, and I am really serious about that one. I saw a great tweet the other day about this, actually. And someone goes, when someone's teaching, and you know the game, keep your mouth shut. And I, I stand to, unless someone, something's like egregiously wrong, by all means, like, you know. Yeah. But, uh, well, and that like, happened, I, my brother-in-law started explaining it. And I was like, oh, this is weird. This is the first time that I'm not the one teaching the game. And so I just like, let him explain it. And then if there was something that was unclear, or that he kind of was a little hazy on, I'd jumped in and was just like oh like just to clarify what that means uh but he did a great job and it was really cool but i had that very like that very prominent thought of no one teacher is don't jump in don't try and teach something because they'll get to that you know like this part i think is important to talk about here but they'll get to it in their own time and but ah, it's so crazy 
this goes into one thing about teaching, which I know is not technically a topic, but is it's we should totally do another episode about teaching a game. But this is it, as a parallel to it. There's also the style you teach, and that's going to vary based on who you're teaching. Someone's coming to learn specifically. It's one thing. You're going to bore someone who's new to gaming if you just go, all right, we're going to spend 20 minutes explaining this. Like at some point, you just have to go like we're going to play. Don't worry about it. Have fun. Like don't like let's just go and I'll explain you. We'll explain some stuff as we go along. Here's here's the way you win. Here's your basic actions. Let's go. And our, and then I say and then. Then you can help them along the way a little bit, but you don't want to be, we're going to talk about the rules for 25 minutes. No one wants that when they're for, like, before you're interested in playing games, that's awful. Yeah. It's an awful, you're going to be so turned off. Like, wait a minute. I have to spend 25 minutes to learn to play this 15 minute game. Well, I shouldn't say that. Mind you, most, if the game takes 15 minutes, it should not take 25 minutes to learn, but the point stands. <laughs> <laughs> no one wants to learn how to play a game for 20 minutes um, when they are not necessarily even interested in games to begin with. So you got to be streamlined. So I think that goes into teaching style and um, I don't claim to be per- perfect at that, but I definitely have my thoughts yeah. on the best ways, <laughs> which like that kind of came up yesterday too, with I was teaching quack or that, you know, he was teaching quacks. And at a certain point I said, you know, we probably should just stop right there because we don't need to explain the buy phase right now. We've explained the draw phase. We only need to explain these two ingredients, the what the green does and the orange, which orange does nothing, you know. And and then once we get to the buying, let's add in this part. But let's, let's get to the playing and play the first round and then explain how everything works uh, after that. And, and I think it works so well for that to teach kind of as you go to get the involvement engagement going as soon as you can and then add to it as things come up. I agree. And I think that's why I say it does differentiate how you introduce based on why they're learning. Uh, if you're running a club where people are coming to learn, it's different than they're coming to your house for game night. They may not know what to expect. So I also say set the expectations. What are you going to do? What are you going to play? Here's the game we're going to play. We're playing this great game. It's called Quacks of Quedlinburg, um, which I think is a great game, actually, for introducing. For the record, I think it is. It's it's so silly. And you're taking those actions and you're constantly doing things so it doesn't get bland or boring. Uh, and I think that's part of it keeping the movement, keep them active. Um, now, again, I, I will always remind people if you have kids and you're teaching kids, it's a whole different thing. I will not try to teach more than a group of two to three kids. If you start to get to four or five, six, they distract themselves. It's not going to go well. <laughs> um, so I, I will say as someone who's had to teach a lot of games to kids through the board game club, I've learned that two to three kids max, you, you cannot for teacher that is. So, uh, it, it does not go well otherwise. Kids are not designed to keep their attention. There's exceptions to this rule, but most of the time. My own son can't always focus. And we're talking about a kid who played uh, uh, Raiders of the North Sea at like six and a half years old. Um, <laughs> and I that he can be very focused and play it. But mind you, me teaching him was because I knew he had a memory and he could memory, memorize cards. So over time, he would learn, oh, this card is this great. This card is this great. He just that, but I know my own kid, you know, I can't speak for collective kids with different educational levels and um, backgrounds. And uh, just from a gaming perspective, specifically when I say that. So 
Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. All right, let's see if we can summarize a little bit what we've gone through. So first, set the expectation, which I think is goes right with, you know, in how to invite people to a game night. Ask them straight up, hey, do you want to come over and try some games or play games? Do you want to join a game night? And do that. Then picking a game, first pick according to like how what you know about them, right? Yeah. I, I think I think yes, set expectations is key. Set expectations. Think about what you know about them in determining the game is the net is that next step. Um, and that pairs along with set expectations of saying, here's what, you know, here's some games I'm gonna here's some games I've got in mind. And by doing that, you also give them a chance to say, hey, what is that one? That sounds interesting. And so sometimes you're already gauging that interest and getting their attention immediately. So if you've got a good list together, you can give them some names. That might, I mean, I, I, you mentioned Isle of Cats before. I laugh because you say Isle of Cats. People are immediately interested, I find. Oh, they have yeah. no clue what Isle of Cats is about. They hear cats. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's all they hear. Yeah, these people that they're getting a cat next week. And so they were just really excited. They loved our cats. And so they were super excited by that game. And yeah, it's it's a pretty game. It's a cool. And the white box draws people's eyes to it and the polyominoes and everything, which don't use the word polyominoes in front of non-gamers. Oh, God, no, please don't. Uh, oh, you know, what's another word. This is. Of course, we're getting sidetracked. I'm getting sidetracked here. Uh, is orthogonally. Like, whenever I use orthogonally when I'm, like, teaching a game, my family or whoever I'm with is like, what? What is this word you just, this fancy word? Like, they treat it like it's the most fancy word they've ever heard. And I casually drop it. And I'm just like, oh, right, right. Like, that's a gamer term. Like, it just means adjacent, not diagonal. <laughs> yes. It's an awful word, in, in my opinion. I Even I sometimes have to go, wait a minute, what does that one mean again? Which, <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I just, I, it is what it is. But I think avoiding lingo is yeah. exactly the, what you're speaking to. Avoid lingo. Don't say it's a great worker placement game. What? No, that just, it sounds... It does not work. I think it, if it anything, hurt. it intimidates more so because they're like, whoa, okay, this has like an official name and it's like, this <laughs> is scary. I didn't even scary. think about that way, but it's true. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> it, it You do need to be able to avoid that and then make it welcoming. Don't rush them. I think when you get them to table, don't rush them. Give them time. Uh, if you and I were playing and you were taking five years on a turn, be like, what's happened over there? Like a little nudge, nudge, joke. But if someone new who's not played before, they're gonna, they may have over the most basic thing, a little bit of analysis paralysis because they have never done it. It might be just simply, oh, do I want to go here or here? You can offer to help, but let them. I, I think let them make their decision and let them learn. But if say, you know, what do you think? It's okay to step in and help, and don't make it about, in my opinion, at least, and this is where everyone can disagree. Don't make it about you know, basically that game being about winning for yourself or whomever, make that about just taking in the game, enjoying it and having a good time. And to me, that's why a game where you can have conversation during is great. Don't start with like Mysterium. It's not going to go well. <laughs> okay. I'm going to be the ghost. I can't talk. All right, go. <laughs> that's a bad idea. Yeah. Well, I would actually, 
I would almost argue against that. No, I, I would argue against that because I did that at a game night. Uh, granted, these are like fan. This was with family, and and what we did was, you know, I could still talk, but I'm not talking about the game. You just, it's a fun game to be able to like look at things, and you can be talking about TV shows, you can be talking about life, and how how are your kids doing in school, or blah blah blah, and then you just like play cards, give it to them, and you just. That's fair. Keep that's fair. I'm just saying, going. don't play like the role of strict ghost. Yes. <laughs> don't talk to the people. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. No, I totally agree. If it was dead silent, if you're like, okay, we aren't allowed to talk. I think there, there's several games where that's the rule is like no talking, no communicating. The crew, right? The crew right. is another one where like you're not supposed to talk, but I don't know. I, I, I always flex that rule. The mind actually is one where I say no talking. That one, like, because you need to be focused on that one, which is another great one, actually. The mind? Yeah. I've used that yeah. to introduce a few people. It, it does work. I, I laugh because some people will say, um, some will say it's not even a game. I don't agree. A game, my definition of a game is, is again an experience in which you are trying to win, uh, of in you know in some sort of like um, be it a game of but be be it chance or skill. Um, in this case, there's a little bit of both in this one, but uh, yeah, that one can work. Um, I, I, when it comes down to it, I think the biggest thing is you're welcoming. Um, remember, that introducing games in my mind is to take down barriers and. To not sit there, and I think this is important. I don't think I've said this is to not sit there and also bash like, well, this is so much better than Monopoly, isn't it, or something like that? Because you may people be like, but I like Monopoly or I like this, and people do. I I actually do not completely dislike Monopoly. I I will play it if someone wants to play because that means we're playing a game. Um, and when it, it it's not my first choice, but the point is, you don't you, you use positive. You create a positive experience. And in the end, for me, the final step is, hey, you know, what did you think? Did you like that? Um, hear what they have to say. And if they say, yeah, it was okay. And they want to move on. I don't, and, and you don't get a takeaway that it was fine. They didn't really love it. They don't have much to say. That's fine. And you you work with that, right? But um, I do try to get feedback when I can, just because I, I do want to know, hey, if you, well, you guys are welcome over anytime. Like I'm happy to throw another game night and we've got plenty of other great stuff we can throw on the table and yeah. then see what interest is gauged. Cause you'll know in that moment and say, yeah, that'd be fun. We'd love to, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Most people will be like, oh yeah, that was cool. Uh, what else have you got? What other things? Or they'll just want to play that same game. That's the interesting thing, right? Is you and I as gamers and I can see your collection. You can see my collection. We love playing a, a variety of games, but sometimes people just, especially new to the hobby, like I remember being new to the hobby and me like, yeah, Catan, Sega to Ride. Those are my two games. Let's play those every time. And then you start branching out. So I don't know. I don't know if you should definitely allow for that. Like Sagrada is a good 20, 30 minute game. We could play that again, and then after one round of it, be like, "Oh, hey, that was fun! Like, let's bust out the next game." That's the entree, or the the what's the wow? What if someone wants to play out? a game again, I <laughs> play a game again. That's where I try to play it into the. All right, no, we can do it. You know, I have some, another game I'd love for you to try out sometime too, and then 
if they wanted to then keep playing the same game that eventually I'd I have to be like, I don't want to play this anymore. <laughs> like I don't want to play this review, but one or two times I can deal with, um, if that's going to get them, you know, clicking. And then maybe after that second game, you can get them into something else. But, um, in the end, like I said, I think you do keep it positive. If you get the info and then hopefully they come back and play, but I think you've got to really create it, treat it, treat it like you're creating experience for them. And if you create a good experience, there's a good likelihood people who want to come back and play more. Uh, just don't anticipate. I'd say, I think it's fair to say nine out of 10 people will not come back and suddenly be super board game fans. Uh, and that's fine. But will you be able to get something on the table a little bit different than what you would otherwise normally get to the table? Yes. And to me, that's all worth the effort that I try to, to put in introducing. And that's why I do. Cause I do want, I, I remember explaining, uh, I remember explaining, um, so Clover, uh, to my sister. And she's like, that actually sounds really cool. My friends would like that. And so in turn, now at a future thing, for all I know, my sister would, would say, can we borrow this and bust this out um, instead of doing, you know, something that they might otherwise standardly standard play, or maybe it won't be cards against you. And be like, actually, my brother told me about this game and that might be a cool thing that happens. So um, it's, it's fun. It's education more than anything. So it's educating them on a different world and whether they fall in love with it or just participate on occasion. Hey, as far as I'm concerned, you know, it's still winning. It is winning. Yeah. As a, as the board game junkie, I know that I'll never get to truly play the games that I want to play in most game nights, like near and far. I would love to play that with a four player group. It likely won't happen. I'll probably have to go to like a convention or, or set up like a specific day with some local junkies that I know, you know, like, uh, so I think that's another thing as the host. Don't try and rush the game that you want to get to the table and accept that, you know, you're introducing these people. How how many years did it get you to be like, oh, yeah, this game is amazing. You know, like it's it's a tricky battle. Realize that it's not your board game group. It's it's different. Yeah. You know, to find your board game group is a whole different thing. And when you're introducing to a board game group, it's not the same. It's not even a topic of introducing. Someone's going to teach it. So that's not even really a topic. It's it's more so just remember it's not your board game group and get your board game group for that stuff. Uh, and if you have trouble finding a board game group, honestly, there's a lot of great resources out there to do that. Um, and if people have trouble finding something in their area, honestly, I'd say just search, check your local board game stores, um, check um Check Facebook, check, check social media, see if anything's nearby. There are people who really want to get into stuff. Uh, I've had a few, I laugh about this, but I've had a few wives because I run a parents group reach out and say, hey, I know you're into board games. My husband keeps saying he wants to get into it. Would you be able to introduce him? So like, I don't know if the wives are trying to get their husbands out of the house. I don't know what what it is, but they introduced <laughs> me and then I, and I connect some dots and some some stay interested, others not so much, but it, um, you know, there's people looking for a hobby who maybe don't have one and legitimately will come looking to board games. So it is, it, it's interesting to see, but I appreciate the chat on the topic. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, and there's so much you can speak to in this, but in the end, I, I think that, uh, in the end, it's about joy and experiencing something in a, it, that's fun. Right. Yeah. And in the end, Board games are most fun in the long run, in my opinion, and I'm not knocking soul gaming because I like soul gaming, but board funds are mo- board games are most fun with people. So introducing it is lovely. Yes, I absolutely agree.
And I love, I, most of my plays are solo lately. So, so I love playing solo, but it's way better when you're playing with people, just being able to have that social interaction and fun and, and those mo- just all those different types of moments of like, whoa, good move. You got me. Or like, oh, I outwitted you there. It's just, ah, such a cool experience. Um, I, one more thing about teaching. I, cause I think this is really important, especially when you're teaching somebody new to the hobby is never, ever. And this is something I've had to learn say, Oh, this is easy. Don't sell that it's easy because if they don't understand it, they're going to feel dumb. And then there's that negative feeling about not understanding the game. I, that's a great point. Saying something is easy or trying to, trying to sell something as, um, you know, something as simple or easy or any of that can very easily frustrate someone who doesn't pick it up automatically and that could be a big turnoff. So I, I'm glad you point that out. I think there's just words to avoid. Easy is definitely one of them. Yeah. Simple is definitely a good one to be like, oh, this is a simple worker placement, right? Like avoid using lingo, avoid using simple, easy <laughs> things that like that could lead to them getting frustrated if they don't understand and, t- and take their feedback during I'm struggling with this idea. Can you explain it? Yes. Here's the basic idea on your, on your turn. You can take one of three actions, get money, move your character or play a card. And, and that's why I say stick to simplistic, straightforward in terms of the action you could take. And I, and then I don't think I said this before, but I'll add it in now before we end. And I will just say that avoid those games that have a really long, process of tallying the score because if it takes 15 minutes to get the score they check out Uh, i mean i check out myself when a game takes 20 minutes to figure out the damn score (laughs) so so new people are definitely checking out at that point i think it was caverna that had that which is probably why i don't like caverna because at the end you're trying to figure out well i scored for this scored for this uh did no i don't want to be scoring for 30 freaking minutes um no one does though so someone remember that, yeah, that's a really good point. Well, perfect. Uh, I don't know if there's a quick, ridiculous theme we could do. I, You know, quick, ridiculous theme. So I, there's a lot of good stuff out there. I'm trying to think. Um, I, I want to want to give a shout out to not ridiculous theme, but the theme, of, the theme of time travel, just because I'm obsessed now with That Time You Killed Me by Pandasaurus Games. Uh-huh. And so I think time travel in a unique way with that game is phenomenal. So I want to give a shout out to that game. If you have not played it, play it. It's freaking incredible. I think the themes that uh, a theme that would be like, and I, again, I'm very bad. I think ridiculous, but the idea almost of playing the role of almost like God uh, or a God, uh, depending how you want to view it um, and and where you stand on that category. (laughs) Um, The, the idea of almost being the creation of like all time and how do you build it almost like a, like life simulator uh, with cards and deck building or something could be really fun. Um, Something where like you are creating humanity. I don't know that this is out there, but like you're creating humanity Um, and how do you create humanity? Um, uh, and I don't even know how the scoring would work. I, again, I'm just going to top my head here, but like, how do you do it? It's like, oh, well, you started out as a salamander and you turned into this. And like, <laughs> I, I could be one of those story-based games. Yeah. Um, I'm getting but, major 
engine building almost where like yeah that, we're that trying could to be influence how the cards evolved and the deck evolves or whatever it I, is and engine building and story at as i say it out loud or what comes to mind yeah like both. it's very story there's definitely a big story that has to take place if i'm trying to figure out well all right what are you going to start from you're going to start from a rock yeah how the hell is that going to happen <laughs> i know you turn into rock people i don't know um <laughs> Uh, it, it could be very interesting. Um, I, again, I don't know, but sometimes I say these things and then I learn later, like something existed. I never knew this. I, I'm not aware of anything like that, but that would be pretty cool. Cause like, I like with spirit Island that you are the Island fighting the people. So I like yeah. it, the alternate perspective of something. Yeah. Well, and that was something when I was teaching that one, that was really tricky to people. Cause they were like, well, when do we fight back? well you're the spirit and the dahan are who fight back so like it's a different like that was such a tricky teach and even like an hour into the game they were just like i don't understand why we aren't attacking them like why am i not doing damage i'm sorry like (laughs) i didn't set that expect i should have set that expectation earlier so the setting expectations is important it is really Um, important but I do, like I said, I, I can see that playing the role of the gods um, yeah. maybe for the for the posterity's sake in that case, because I don't want to get into some religious debate here. Um, <laughs> but the the whoever is, you know, make it, you can make it something generic, um, like just call it the creator. Um, the creator invented time and this is what, and and you are the creator. Um, but it could be a collaborative effort. There's a lot of ways you go, but, but I love that idea of like, creating it but you have to evolve it based on what other people put down even like someone decided to do this oh we have to twist it up what's going to work with that yeah Um, you could just be a mad you could just be a mad scientist creating like your own universe right and how would you do it as a mad scientist look i could make this time travel and say i went in time and i warped time and now i'm reshaping how we all evolved or see that would work too you could twist it you could twist it. I don't know. There's a lot of time travel. So I like to say, I don't know how you do that in a unique way these days. So maybe that's a way, but I like the idea almost of creation yeah. of just like starting like this is the earth and you're going to create the earth and, um, or make it a fake planet, whatever it is. You could be an extraterrestrial God. I don't, it, there's a lot of ways to go with that. Um, I dig Not that. that we need another sci-fi game. We really don't. There's a, no, we there's do. A good more sci-fi. More sci-fi. More sci-fi. That's my favorite. <laughs> I do love sci-fi. Uh, I just want Outer Rim to get its expansion oh, now, with, which I think was happening. But um, that would be a good that that I need. So I. But yeah, cool. That would be the idea I throw out. I like that one. I. I mean, we could just do game night or like almost like mission uh, to go religious as well, I guess. <laughs> like everybody is a missionary for their own, like, I want to say topic. Like I'm a board game missionary, so I have to introduce as many people to board games as possible. And I'm a Pepsi missionary. I need to get as many people drinking Pepsi as possible. Oh, that's almost just like marketing. You Actually, you could do a marketing game where you're just, you're a bunch of competing like Call it, just call it pop. Just go old school. Call it pop. Like uh, oh, there you go. Old school pop sales people, um, not the Funko. Um, <laughs> and you're trying to sell your brand um, uh, to like whatever, and get out there and have. I guess that's area control. That in a way, you're trying to control where the 
where everyone's buying. Yeah. So I guess that turns into area control <laughs> by default. I don't know. That's where my brain goes is to area control with something like that. That Yeah, I could see that working pretty well with area control. Um, could work. I, there's a lot of ways to do it. I, you, again, I would do like some sort of like caffeine beverage type thing. It's, 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 you're just trying to be a conglomerate and, and win. Yeah. <laughs> or we could go real. You could write a little bit of a story beforehand and do cults. Everybody's the leader of their cult and they have to build their cult. Oh, there's, that's a ridiculous thing there. Oh yeah. But they could be, you, you would, ha- you could make some pretty wacky ones. Oh yeah. Harmless, but harmless, but wacky. Yeah. Well, and that could be just part of the fun of it. Almost like a, you know, a roll in. It could be a roll in, right? Or a flip and write or something. And you get a right, you know, almost mad libs it of be like, what's your worship for roll? The one thing I'd like to see with a roll and write as you say it. Um, and I know we're coming up on time here, but I will say the almost one where there's a center board that we're all influencing in our, our own boards, which are, you know, taking care of so dry erase, but like our own boards are impacting the center board constantly. Oh. Um, something to that chord that we're all having to be mindful, not just like um, silver and gold where there's a power or an ability, but like t- something's moving along or, you know, and I don't know. And I, I, I'm thinking about, as I say it, but it'd be interesting if there was some like real gameplay element with the middle board that's constantly happening based on the action. And we have to report the action we took on our board. That is really cool. I actually love that idea a lot. It could be neat. I don't know exactly what it looks like, but again, it's just something I've, I don't know that I've seen and I might be missing something. Yeah. I, I like that a lot before we move to you plugging your stuff. I had, I forgot to say, so when I brought that guy up, on Saturday, you know, we did our game night. They looked at Isle of Cats, but really the first game he saw was Lost, the board game. <laughs> oh, jeez. And he pulled down and he's like, what? What? I didn't know there was a board game for this. I'm so excited about this. And and then we came, come to find out he is such a huge Lost fan. He can name the episodes of when things happen. Like, I don't know the episode titles very well. And so he, like, knew every episode title. And that led to just, like, a 50-minute discussion of him and I, like, talking about Lost, our favorite episodes, favorite characters, blah, blah, blah. Me me showing off my Lost guitar. Like, just all this fun stuff. And then he said, we have to play this Lost game. And I was like, I've never played it. And I and I will. I will play it with you. But I've heard it's not great. So I, I look forward to your review because I, I just looked it up. My review of Lost the Game on Board Game Geek is not worth owning unless it's free. <laughs> <laughs> that is my review. That is the most negative thing I've ever written on the. No. Well, but you haven't like really truly played it either, right? Because it's I, one. Page. I solo tried to play it, pretending I was multiple players. Okay, and it, it, just like I attempted, working. and I just said. Mm. But I digress. If someone really wanted to play it, I probably would try it with the with bearing in mind I'd sit in. But please don't judge board games based on this. Yes. Game. Yeah. And that's what I told him. I well, was like, from what I know, this game isn't great. And I've tried to learn it, but that was before I was even into board games, really. And right. so, like, don't base, don't use this as any sort of measure of the hobby. That is fair. Yeah. That is fair. I think that's a good, like, caveat. Um, anyways, I had to share that with you because you're a fellow losty. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah. Go ahead and plug your stuff. 
I'll just tell everybody, uh, come on board, uh, the Tabletop Express. You can find us over on YouTube. Just search Tabletop Express. You can actually go to tabletop.express to just go right to the YouTube to make it nice and easy. Um, because no one realizes that dot expresses for the most part are a thing, but they are. So I grabbed that one a while back. Uh, and then I'm going to have you on. We'll announce the date so you can promote it, but we're going to definitely have you come on into the third video in our series of introducing modern board games to follow up on this conversation where we're going to break down myself, uh, Anthony from board game dads, uh, as well as you share five games within five cat and each person to pick a, five different categories of our own choosing to share a game that we would use to introduce for basically uh, a mechanic. So it's mechanic focused. Um, I have promised to talk about worker placement for that one. So I've promised that for like two in a row because first I apparently kept teasing that I was going to eventually do it, but um, yeah, excited about that one. So we'll have you on probably February or March. Uh, just got to book the date. Uh, and that'll be fun. But otherwise, I'd say come on, tune in and go check out the podcast too, Tabletop Express. It should be on Apple soon. Yeah, by you the time this comes out, out, it'll definitely be out. Yeah, it should be there. But uh, yeah, every episode of Creators Corner is on there. Love if you watch on the channel. Um, the channel will always be first. And then uh, seven days later, it goes to audio only format. So, but yeah, thank you for having me on. Like I said, it's always great to talk about this stuff. I think it's just, as you can tell from this conversation, a more complicated conversation uh topic than i think most people think to like it's not just throw a game at the table so it's cool to kind of break it down i think i came away with some thoughts from this too that i had not thought about before same yeah the we're always learning right so yeah thanks so much for coming on thank you thank you for listening thank you chris for joining me for this conversation it was a lot of fun i like doing these topic episodes and I plan on doing more. So to summarize, I may have missed some steps. It's been a couple of weeks since we recorded this. So intro to games. First step, right from the start, set the expectation of what you'll be doing. Playing games. You don't need to be sneaky and trap them. Ha ha, I play my trap card. You've come over to my house for dinner, but really, this is a game night. Two, pick a game that won't overwhelm them and will catch their interest. Whether that's theme or mechanic, pick based on what you know about the person. Uh, I, I think that if you're going to provide options, don't provide very many options. Try and pick like one or two. And more than likely, they'll be like, well, I defer to your expertise. So uh, really just pick something you think they'd be interested in. Then third, teach the game in a way that allows for clarifying questions. So don't use terms like, oh, this is really easy. Oh, you'll get it. It's, it's easy. Uh, or... Don't use jargon that we use in the industry that's common here because they're not going to know what a deck builder is if they've never played a deck builder. And even if they have played a deck builder, they may not know that's the term for it. Fourth, when the game is done, check in with them and see what they thought. Ask questions about what they liked and or disliked to help decide what game could be a good fit next. And it's okay if they aren't into the hobby at all. If they are like, wow, that was not fun. I don't enjoy playing with toys on a table. It's, you know, I, I've got a Power Ranger action figure when I was six, and that's it. I'm done with that. I'm boring. No, they're not boring. I'm sorry. I just, <laughs> I was doing a bit, and I got carried away. It's no, But really, it's okay. I've got friends that aren't really into board games, and it's fun to still just hang out with them. But it's always nice to introduce people to the hobby. Lastly, have fun. 
you know, joke around. You can make light of the game. You can make fun of the theme if that's what if that's what they like doing or a little trash talking or talk talk each other up and be like, yeah, cheer each other on. Whatever it is that helps them have fun. And remember, it's not your game. Right? Oh, I didn't put that in there. But like when you're introducing someone to games, you're really trying to make it a pleasant experience for them. And that's probably what's most important, what will make it be the most successful. Maybe eventually you'll be able to get them to play Spirit Island with you, but not a good one for the first uh, while, probably. <laughs> uh, well, thank you again. Thank you for listening. I really appreciate the community that that has kind of gathered around the podcast. And it's really cool to see people interacting, guests and listeners. And it's humbling and heartwarming and just mind-blowing so thank you thank you to the board game community community the board game community show community uh i anyway i realize now you know i see a lot of tweets or people saying like oh yeah here in the board game community blah 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 and i'm like wow how pretentious of me to start a uh, to start a podcast called the board game community show uh, which I thought was a fun name, and I still like it a lot. But now I hear the board game community everywhere, and I've heard it before this too. It's not new, and I just kind of laughed to myself, like, okay, they're not like I expect them to say show next or to go show. Uh, quick update on my kitchen because I talked about that last week. If this is your first time, we're listening. I remodeled my kitchen or remodeling it now. So almost everything's done. We are going to paint our cabinets this weekend. And then next week, hopefully I'll be putting in new flooring and then it'll be done, which is weird. I think, Oh, I hope that's all. Yeah. Anyway, that's the kitchen update and bunkers and badasses. the, Borderlands based RPG. We have been playing that. We've recorded four episodes so far. I've edited two of them and they have been going so awesome. I laugh out loud to myself randomly throughout the week thinking about, oh, that moment. Oh, so I'm so excited for you guys to, for you all to get to listen to that. Hopefully you'll give it a try. It is more explicit. So a little more mature. They say mature, but really it's, it's immature. And And so if it's not for you, that's okay. But I hope that a lot of people will enjoy it because we have a lot of fun recording it. I look forward to it every week. It's one of the highlights of my weeks easily. And I just met with the artist last night over Zoom and he was drawing in front of us. Like we, he shared his screen and was just drawing stuff I was asking him to do. And my mind was just being blown because it looked so amazing. And the so the album art is almost done. And once we have that, we'll release the first two episodes. And then you can start listening along and tell us what you think. You can follow that at FF Adventure Co. on Twitter. And yeah, that's that's it. That's all I got this week. Thank you again. I mean, this is like, what, the fifth time I thanked you? Because I, I can't thank you enough for listening. Oh, if you enjoyed the show, go rate it, share it on Twitter or Facebook or whatever social media and let people know about it and rate it on your podcatcher. I think on Apple is the 
general way to rate podcasts. I don't, I think Spotify was adding something, but Spotify is being meh right now. So, uh, anyways, there's lots of places. And that is going to be it. Until next week, keep nerding out. So, one of my fond memories in board games is when I. Uh, was uh, working in the city i introduced board game lunch which was a ton of fun we played board game over lunch every once in a while Uh, we did this particular time betrayal at the house on the hill which i think thematically is wonderful it's an experiential game as i best describe it it's clunky at times but it's a great game and it was where i learned not because i did but someone else did it about the really getting into character in the game. Cause in the past I had just done it and I not given my character a background, but one of my coworkers, I remember at the time started giving the little girl, she was playing a backstory and then everyone started adding in these interconnected stories and made it really interwoven. And it was just such a cool experience that I will never play that game without doing it now. And I remember it really fondly. It was just a really great experience and to do it with coworkers and people I you know, liked quite a bit, over lunch at work. I thought it was a great bonding experience, but um, I take that experience away from it. Um, And I later actually gave her a copy of werewolf um, that I had bought and that I had bought because I thought, you know, if you like this stuff, you're going to love werewolf. Take my copy because I don't really love werewolf. Here you go. And uh, so uh, a great experience. I don't talk to that particular person all the time anymore, but I will always take away what I took from her sharing with me. in in that game experience and it turned into just a, a great wonderful experience that now has changed the way I play that game period. 